Welcome into this week's edition of New Track Record Podcast. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. And this week, joined by a special guest, Adam Stern, the Motorsports Insider for Sports Business Journal. Adam, thanks for coming back on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Now, Adam, uh, you broke the news. Big news today for IndyCar in the gaming world as they announced a deal to bring a video game in 2023 through Motorsport Games. How did this deal come together? Yeah, you know, they had been speaking for for some time. Um, You know, I went back and looked today because I remembered this, and we actually had reported in August of of last year, 2020, that – Motorsport Games, who were under some new management at that time, um, they, they've kind of gone through various iterations of that company, uh, and including with different names in recent years, and then now what they're currently called as Motorsport Games. Um, and you know, they had been speaking with IndyCar for some time under with their new executive CEO uh, Dmitry uh, Kozkov and uh, or Kosko and. You know, from what I understand, talks really picked up uh, about three to four months ago this year. So they've been speaking for some time. um, But at the same time, you know, I don't think things were hot and heavy for a whole year. I think maybe there were some initial talks a year ago. And um, things really picked up the past three or four months. Um, You know, IndyCar obviously has been out of the video game world for some time, at least as far as having its own title. You know, I think it might have had like a random appearance in Forza here and there and obviously has done some stuff with iRacing, which is not exactly a console video game like this is, right? So they haven't had a console video game in some time. So obviously they've been talking about it, looking at it for for years, you know, even predating, I believe, the Penske era. Um, Never got it done for whatever reason, and and this time they were able to get it done. So obviously it's good for the series, I mean, for, for so many reasons. And you know, on one hand, you could look at the 2023 day and say, man, I wish that would come out in 2022, right, um, or, or what have you. Um, you know, for example, SRX was just conceived a year ago, and they already have a game. Um, but the other hand is that, you know, IndyCar looks at this and says that, you know, this is going to be a very meticulous game design, and um, I believe they're using Unreal Engine to help out uh, building it, which is, you know, owned by Epic Games, the makers of Fortnite. You know, that's pretty much the best uh, technology you can use to make a video game. So I, I think obviously any car fans have got to be thrilled. You know, obviously it's a little bit of a wait to say the least. Uh, you know, we still got a, a year and a half before this is going to come out, assuming it, it, they hit in 2023 could be a little longer depending on when it is in 2023, but uh, certainly, you know, huge news for the series and, and well done to that team for getting it done. Yeah, AAA games, which are you know are the are the uh, the top you know echelon of games, they take years to develop. So twenty twenty three, you know, not surprising at all. And and to your point, Adam, it, you know, if this is going to be a game that we all hope it is, take your time and 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 do it right. So uh, twenty twenty three seems pretty realistic, Adam. You know, how do these deals work? Because as we know, sports and leagues and and racing entities have 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 done the video game thing now for decades is it something where you know indycar fronts some of the money or they hire or they are paid for the likenesses and and the series logos how does a business like this work and in terms of the financials great question um you know in this case indycar is is basically a licensor and and motorsports games is a licensee so you know, theoretically speaking, you know, you could have any sort of 
you, you could have a number of different ways to skin this cat. And so I, I'm not privy to the exact details, but the most basic and, and standard form would be that the licensee, so in this case, Motorsport Games, would pay some sort of amount of money to the property, in this case, IndyCar, for the right to produce their games. Now, where the rubber meets the road and some of the interesting details that you're kind of alluding to are is like, you know, is IndyCar going to get a huge upfront guarantee? Are they going to get a guarantee plus a certain percentage of game sales? You know, those are some of the details I'm not quite aware of that, that you know, one way or the other, it's probably one of those or, or something similar. Um, but you would think um, that, that given IndyCar is the property, you know, they're giving motorsport games the chance to make a game that, you know, for example, you can make any video game in the world, but you can't do it, you know, using the IndyCar IP. Um, you know, presumably this is going to involve Indianapolis Motor Speedway in certain ways. Um, you know, the chance to kind of almost run like a, a Indy 500 video game. Like, there's certain things about this that IndyCar, their IP is is very valuable to the video game maker. So what amount of money that is, I don't exactly know. Presumably they have some sort of formula based off, okay, here, we think we're going to sell this amount of games. We're going to charge this amount. It's going to cost us this much. Okay, here's the bottom line of what we would get you know, et cetera. So we'll give you an X amount of uh, X percentage split of that. Uh, something like that is probably the way it came out. But again, I'm not sure of the hundred percent precise details. I'll see if I can get some of those. I haven't spoken to any of the executives involved on either side yet. I'm trying to uh, in the near future, but again, it's probably something that involves some sort of base guarantee to IndyCar and then potentially as well. Some may potentially a split um, of, of the game sold maybe after they hit a certain, certain point. So, for example, motorsport games might say, hey, we have to make our money back. We have to sell X amount of games before we make our money back. Once we hit that mark, we'll start sharing some of the revenue. It's probably something along those lines. And, Adam, motorsport games, this is a, a company that's that's done the NASTAR Heat Series. So I think they've done some 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 maybe some sports car game. So this is they're in, in the thick of, of, of making these types of games and successful games to boot. So when people are kind of looking at, and is this a reputable company or not, it, it definitely is up there in terms of, of having the experience to make the type of game that we all hope to get in 2020. 23. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, as I said earlier, you know, it's kind of an interesting situation where, like, they've gone through several different, you know, executive changes and even ownership changes and even name changes over the past, like, five years. Um, but that being said, I think there's a, a feeling that, you know, where they're at right now might be the best version of themselves that they've been yet. Um, and so, you know, I think obviously – it just depends on your opinion about, new, you know, NASCAR heat. Like, you know, there was certainly some people who liked it. And then there was obviously some people who felt like it wasn't realistic enough. Obviously it kind of gets interesting, right? Because if you, if you really want something super realistic, you can kind of go to sim racing and try eye racing, but nonetheless, some console, you know, racing game players still like it to be as realistic as possible. So I, I would be candid, of course, that, you know, over the years, motorsport games or it's forerunners, uh, companies have taken some criticism at times from NASCAR, but I think, you know, if you look at the optimism around their new game, in fact, I rem it, it was interesting because I went back and looked at the tweet, like I said, and, and literally actually it was two different parts of the tweet. Like one of them was Motorsport Games says that they're talking to IndyCar. This was last August and uh, on a new game. And the other part was like Motorsport Games is working on a brand new NASCAR game 
start from scratch status, um, not just like new, like we're slapping a new title on it, but like starting from scratch and working with Unreal Engine, which again, that's what you know Epic Games owns, and they they make Fortnite with that. Um, it, it's it's probably the, one of the best engine makers for for digital games. So I think you know obviously they they are working with um, you know the best equipment at this point. I think to make the game, and so I think there's a lot of optimism around motorsport games at this point. So they've had some problems over the years, of course, to an extent, depending on how you talk to. But I think at this point, a lot of people are looking at them like they've assembled a good team, um, you know, both with executives and their developers and things like that. And so I do think there's reason to be optimistic about IndyCar's game for 2023. A little overshadowed with today's news, Adam, was was the uh, the iRacing portion of things. A little bit more on that from from you and, and what it means for, for fans of the sport and people involved in iRacing and also the series in general. You mean the eSports? Yeah, part yeah the eSports aspect of things, yeah. Yeah, you know, they didn't really fully explain that. Um, they they said, you know, more to come, but it, it seems like in some shape or form, you know, obviously, you know, it's going to be using the game, right? So it's kind of an interesting thing to think about because, you know, for example, of course, so many people, when they think about, like, sim racing esports, they, they often think about, like, simulators, which is which is often using iRacing in America, Um you know, this is probably going to be some esports competition using this console video game. So this is, it's it's not anything bad because the good news is is that you know it theoretically it's going to bring in more like um, just mainstream folks and casual fans and video game fans and racing video game fans who may not even be diehard IndyCar fans. So there's definitely advantages to it. Um, they haven't fully explained what it'll be yet, but presumably it'll be some sort of tournament uh, online. Um, you know, probably some qualifiers, things like that, to figure out, hey, who's the best at playing this video game? So just hearing the term esports, you, you got to assume it'll be some sort of tournament to see who's the best at playing the game, but um, they haven't released further details besides that. Now, Adam, IndyCar has been courting to get into either the video game space, the TV space, whether with a docu-series or some sort of, you know, sitcom-type show, or even in, in film and documentaries, just, you know, media as a whole for several years any inkling as to what kind of turned the tide on this project for the video game to come together? Um, look, I just think I, I don't have the exact answer aside from I think potentially, you know, the exact answer, certainly broadly speaking, in the direction of what would be the answer is that, you know, I think there's a focus from um, Penske Entertainment to get things done that haven't gone done and to try and step their game up. And look, you know, obviously – this is the sort of thing where, and I didn't get a chance to ask them this today, this is the sort of thing where maybe if, if you know, Roger Penske buys IndyCar just like he did in late 2019 to early 2020, but a pandemic never hits, maybe this gets done, you know, late 2020. But obviously they got, in, in terms of like at least announcing a deal like this, but um, they got hit obviously with the pandemic and, and just total chaos last year trying to get through the season. So, I think they they obviously came in saying, hey, let's get stuff done from a business perspective. This was probably, of course, it was, this was never number, you know, one or two on the list, but I don't think it was number 50 on the list either. Like, this was probably top 15 top priorities for them, you know, maybe like number 12 or something like that. And whatever it is, eight, I, I don't know, you know, but this was something where it was clearly not number one priority, but it was pretty important. And uh, then they got hit by the pandemic, and it just got delayed, I think, to an extent, just with all the chaos of last year. So 
think it was something they always wanted to get done. And you're exactly right. You know, now that they got this done, the attention turns to, you know, when when's the docuseries going to come? Um, clearly, it goes without saying to people who know a lot about motorsports that uh, Drive to Survive has been an unbelievable success. Quick side story, my boss, uh, Abe Madcore, who runs Sports Business Journal, has a weekly column, and he wrote this week about how and he's not, you know, he, he covers all sports. Like, he's not just writing about motorsports. But in this case, he was. Uh, you know, he said, I believe, something along the lines of Drive to Survive is the biggest success story he's ever seen of that type. So in terms of, like, a documentary on sports meant to grow the sport. Um, you know, that that's quite impressive for someone, you know, like that who's been covering. And he, he's been covering sports business for 25 years. So that's, you know, if not a little longer. So um, pretty impressive for someone like that. So I think that's put a lot of pressure on other series like IndyCar and NASCAR to try and respond. Um, and so, you know, I think IndyCar, that's definitely the next thing to look for. Not necessarily in the sense of, like, that's the next thing that's going to be announced, but from a kind of entertainment perspective, that's kind of the next thing to fill. And uh, I was just asking someone there today about that. Um, they said they've got a couple options they're reviewing, so uh, we'll see what's next to come. But they claim that they, and I certainly believe them, uh, that they have a couple options they're reviewing uh, to figure out kind of uh, the next step in the docuseries um, space for, for IndyCar, but you would hope that that would come sooner rather than later, at least as far as an announcement that can get fans kind of uh, rubbing their hands about what's coming. Yeah, Adam, and, and following up on on that and the docuseries and the success of Drive to Survive, and I think there's a lot of IndyCar fans out there or motorsports fans in general with their particular discipline that says, okay, we just need to replicate what Drive to Survive is, and it will grow our sport exponentially, like we're seeing Formula One in the United States. But I don't think it's that easy, and, and I think there's a special... Look, Drive to Survive is more interesting than any single Formula One race I've ever watched, really. Uh, they're able to amp up the excitement or lack thereof to a level that is exciting. And, and I think we saw maybe IndyCar dip into that docuseries a little bit with an IndyCar 36 that you know wasn't even close to the drama that is Drive to Survive. So how important is it for IndyCar not just to have a docuseries or something that creates and put out there and, and get eyes on product, but that it is very, very engaging? Because I think the belief is, okay, IndyCar and, and Cup, we just got to get something out there but i think that the 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 uniqueness of drive to survive is what has sold people on f1 not just having a docuseries so you know are those discussions being had in indycar are they not rushing this because they know it has to be very 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 good no i think you know certainly that's part of it and i can't speak exactly as to why you know they haven't announced at this point i don't think they would say it's because anything other than they're just going through the normal process um, but I do think you're you're 100% right about the notion that Drive to Survive has some unique advantages. So so even kind of beyond the on track part and and what they're able to do kind of, to kind of tell that story, you know, Formula One is this unbelievably kind of glitzy and glamorous international series that has a ton of mystique and kind of you know secretiveness, particularly in the pre-Bernie era. They've kind of tried to open things up, um, but it's kind of always had this like secretiveness and and mystique and allure and you know you have these international supercar brands like ferrari participating um you've got mercedes you know you've got these really world-renowned brands participating and you know they're flying all over the world you literally race in a country once a year so there are some things about formula one inherently within the brand of formula one that gives a, a documentary or doc series like this a huge leg up 
And that's where I think you're exactly right. Like, you know, traveling all over the world is probably more interesting for a docuseries than traveling all over the U.S., just candidly. Yeah. Um, and, and so, like, that's just one advantage right away, and that's where you're exactly right. So it's certainly easier said than done. And also, um, another thing about it is you got to be on the right platform. So part of it is not just the content. It's just the content was on Netflix. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they're sure. on the biggest platform. So um, you definitely kind of got to get the formula right. But if you're IndyCar, you can't score if you don't shoot. You've know, yeah. you got to at least get, get out there and try and attempt to do something like this. And it's not going to be as successful as Drive to Strive, probably, candidly. But can it be half as successful? That'd be good. Yeah, because, you know, Adam, I'm looking at it with, with, with NASCAR was heavily involved in, in the show The Crew on Netflix with Kevin James. And, you know, it was it was widely publicized and it had a lot of interlocking things with NASCAR. And I think that was just the tip of the iceberg with if the series was successful, it would continue to grow and foster. And it got canceled after one season. And, and while I think, you know, Cup and NASCAR are in a position to say, OK, we swung and missed with that, but we have some other things in the pipeline, I feel like maybe IndyCar only has one shot to really make a big splash they cannot you know keep going back to the well and okay this didn't work let's try this let's try this so I think you know seeing the lack of success with the crew kind of reinforced to me uh, with IndyCar say you got to make sure you hit a home run with this thing or else you know it's not going to help and and it could hurt your chances in the short term to get another opportunity like this yeah I mean I think, you know, it, this is a racing series in terms of NASCAR that tried to do a comedy show. So I, I don't think executives at NASCAR are losing sleep over the crew getting, you know, canceled after one right. season. Yeah. I think they're perfectly okay with it. You know, would they have loved for it to be so successful that it, Netflix would have somehow wanted a second season? Of course. But I don't think, like, necessarily they, they were absolutely banking on that. Now, of course, like, you know, you never want to see a show necessarily – and after one season, um, I, I don't know. Maybe there are some shows that are designed like that, and maybe this is one of them. But by and large, you would think most shows, people who are designing them would like to see them for a couple years if possible. So don't get me wrong. I'm sure there was some level of disappointment at NASCAR. But, I, I'm, you know, to, to your point at the same time, like, I think there would be a much bigger level of disappointment if they absolutely swing and miss on a docuseries. Right, yeah. And then the comedy series. Like, I think the comedy series is more like, hey, let's try this out. Let's try a bunch of different things. We can put this together quicker. We don't need, you know, for example, like, especially, you know, with all these series, because they're all kind of structured to a similar extent, you know, with independent contractors. It's not like a stick and ball league. Um, you know, you need the cooperation of the teams. Like, and I was just, I got reminded of this myself, just reading about um, Drive to Survive again in the past couple of weeks. I, for, I kind of forgot to an extent that Mercedes and Ferrari actually didn't even participate the first year of right. Drive to Survive. Then yeah. they saw the incredible success and they wanted to, so... Um, I definitely think, you know, you're, you're definitely right. I mean, IndyCar has to take advantage of this, um, you know, whenever they can find it. Um, you know, NASCAR was experimenting with a lot of different stuff, but whatever, you know, they're, they're doing the thing now with NBC Sports around their playoffs. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes for NASCAR because that's going to be on the USA Network. You know, that's not Netflix. But at the same time, it seems like they're also trying to put it there maybe to, like, train NASCAR fans to start getting used to going there because racers are going to move there with NBC SN getting shut down at the end of this year. So it's definitely an interesting time to see how these go for, for you know, these different series with NASCAR. And, and I think, you know, IndyCar will probably roll one out, I would hope, in the next six months in terms of at least announcing plans for one. And, uh, yeah, you know, you would certainly hope that, that um, it'll be successful. But 
it, it doesn't have to do as well as Drive to Survive to be successful. I mean, that thing is a global phenomenon, but if it can do half as good, uh, that'd be that'd be pretty solid, I think. It was announced earlier this week that the IndyCar Series and Firestone are partnering on a new feature film called A Race with production set to start next year. Um, this is really the first, I think, movie that IndyCar's really had a, a solid part of going back to Turbo back in 2012 or 2013. Do you think this is going to lead to a lot of attention for IndyCar? Or is this more of a way to kind of dip their toe in the water in the film process? Um, I, I would guess the latter. I mean, I hope it's the former, right? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I hope it's the former. I hope it generates a lot of attention for IndyCar. Um, but, no, I mean, you know, to me, uh, it seems like it's obviously going to be a pretty cool film and a great idea. But it seems, to, it seems like, you know, this is something where, of course, you might have some people as well who might, like, want to watch it from a diversity perspective. But it seems like something where this is kind of more to, you know, the real hardcore fan base, you know, who, who obviously, if you're a hardcore fan, you're more likely to not just care about what's on live, but you're also even interested in the history of the sport. So, um, you know, obviously when, when you're doing something on the history of a sport, you're probably, in my opinion, more likely than not going for your current fans and your hardcore fans than trying to gain new fans. But obviously if you can get some new fans with it too, that's awesome. And, and there's no reason why this maybe can't do that a little bit. But, no, I would think this – that was, like you said, maybe a little bit more about dipping their toe in the water. You know, there's no reason why you can't have it, – it's just like we were just talking about with NASCAR. There's no reason why you can't have multiple projects going on at the same time. So I think obviously it is important to have the right sequencing of announcements because you don't want to let your fans down and think that you're not working on the right thing. Um, but for IndyCar, there's no reason why they can't do something like this that will be cool for their hardcore fans who want to learn more about the sports history while also trying to close the deal on – uh, a docu-series which maybe can appeal to maybe a little bit more of a broad set of folks. All right, Adam, before the news of today, you know, the the big story behind the scenes with IndyCar has been the, the TV contract and when that is going to be wrapped up and what it will look like. And it's been a, uh, a quite an adventure, and it sounded like NBC was out and CBS could potentially could be in and, and Fox and ESPN, who knows, and now it's it's NBC back at the table with IndyCar. What's, what's the latest on those negotiations? When can we expect an announcement? And potentially what will that new contract look like? Should we expect any? big changes in how we uh, how we see IndyCar put on TV and cable and stream? Yeah, great questions. I think, you know, without having a, uh, honestly, a, a super um, updated answer, I would, based off of what I would think, what I've seen from some other reporters is quotes from, I think, Roger Penske in recent weeks. Um, I just think they're close to finishing up with NBC Sports. Um, you know, obviously, NBC Sports broadcast the Olympics, IndyCar's taking a month off. So it probably makes a lot of sense to not announce that right now. Not not saying it would be insanely dumb, too. I mean, I could see why they would. But you could also see a lot of reasons why they might wait till they get back to holding events to do something in person, whether that's at Nashville or something at Indy. Um, I don't think – I'm sure they won't wait at, you know, until, like, the season finale at Long Beach, I don't think. But, you know, obviously there's a couple upcoming events – I think Nashville could be a, a very possible opportunity, not because I've heard that, but just because it, it makes sense, right? Like it's a new event. NBC is very excited about it. It'll be coming off the Olympics. So I haven't heard anything to suggest that, you know, things are broken out with NBC. I think to your earlier point, um, you know, Roger Penske, he just bought this series. He wants to get, he wants to go out and explore if he can get more money 
for various assets. So it's not even just the TV deal. Like he's looking into if he can get more money from his track promoters and, and all these various things. And understandably, I mean, he's trying to grow revenue streams and, and that's what he should be doing. So I think, you know, when it came to the, the media rights deal, he wanted to go test the market. Um, hundred percent understandably it would be insane to not test the market. Um, and so I think that's, that's exactly what they did. They didn't get maybe the response they exactly were hoping for. Um, and so, you know, they're back at the table with NBC, and, and I think that'll probably get done and announced in the near future. As far as what could look different, um, I think, obviously, they're hoping to get as much exposure as possible. So we'll see if they're able to secure an increase in the amount of races that were on network. I think this season there were supposed to be nine. Um, so, you know, can they get to 10, 11, 12, 13? That'd be huge because the thing is, on the flip side, we might be seeing a couple of races go to Peacock. And so it'll be interesting to see, because I don't have the exact details, confirmed details, final details yet, um, you know, how many rate can they get an increase on, you know, races that are on big NBC, and is there kind of a seesaw where it's like, okay, you got the good news there, but the bad news is that you got a couple races on Peacock where, you know, you are going to have some races that legitimately will not be on linear TV. They will be only on digital streams. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes, and obviously we'll also be interested to see the terms they're not going to announce those at least in terms of the money but we'll, we'll you know we'll try and figure them out ourselves or other reporters um you know hopefully for indycar they can at least stay at the exact same dollar rate and, and financial rate they won't have to take a step back um I, I doubt the i doubt they're going to improve that much in terms of financially i think that's kind of an issue why they wanted to look around but you know the nbc's been paying a lot more for nfl um, a lot of other sports, they've been having to kind of tighten the belt. So it's it's tough to get an increase for them right now. Um, and so we'll it'll be interested in that. And then in terms of the, the length, um, you know, if they do, for example, a three-year deal for 22, 23, and 24, then their deal will expire the same year that NASCAR's deal is expiring. I believe Roger Penske told, um, it might have been Nathan Brown of the Indianapolis Star, hope I'm getting that right, that they're looking at three- to four-year deals. So, uh, if it's a three-year deal, it'll expire in 2024 at the end of it. When NASCAR's deal is, that'd be fascinating to see them both on the market at the same time. If it's 2025, then they'd get one extra year past NASCAR, and that'd be interesting as well to kind of see how that works out. So a lot of uh, details yet to be confirmed, but that those are kind of some of the things I'll be looking out for. Another topic for IndyCar and the, the business sense of motorsports, of course, the search for a third engine manufacturer continues. They're still in talks, according to IndyCar officials. Are you hearing anything new lately on this issue? Yeah, I mean, obviously we've seen, you know, I've seen like you guys, um, and then, you know, credit to Roger, by the way, as, as a quick side note, like he's, he's been, he's being pretty good about being open, right? Like if you look at Roger Penske's comments, he's really giving the IndyCar media like myself and, and other reporters who do a great job covering the sport, a lot of good stuff to cover, like, and, and he's being pretty candid. So, He's been pretty candid the past couple of weeks that, hey, we've got a couple, um, you know, things in the fire. And I think, you know, he said, I think he specifically identified maybe two companies that, to quote him exactly, I believe, he said they haven't said yes, but they haven't said no yet. And, and so, in other words, IndyCar's putting the full court press on these guys, and, and these brands are listening. So that's great news if you're IndyCar, obviously, you know, Stupendous news and the best possible news is getting them to say yes and signing on the bottom line, sign on the dotted line. But at the same time, this is a big deal for them to at least be able to have brands that they're still in talks with, you know, because we're coming out of a pandemic that 
frankly, we all didn't know, like, could this be the end of car companies wanting to, you know, newly enter racing series? I mean, the, the pandemic scrambled a lot of stuff. So I think for IndyCar to say, hey, at least we've got a couple of brands that are listening to us right now, that's pretty good. Who they are, I don't have that confirmed. Obviously, if you wanted to look at some natural candidates, you know, who are the two engine manufacturers in NASCAR that are, are not in IndyCar? You know, Ford and, and Toyota. So I think, you know, those are those would be two, you know, two natural candidates, but that's not to say that's definitely them. That's not to say it couldn't be others. That's not to say it couldn't be one of them and, and others, and, and one of them is wrong in terms of, you know, um, the two that Roger has alluded to. Which are they? So I would obviously think that it's, it's possible that, you know, Toyota used to be in the sport. Um, Ford, you know, obviously has a, has a history. So I would think that those guys would, would be candidates, but I, I don't have anything confirmed there. But, again, um, we'll, we'll, obviously I'm trying to get that as soon as I can, and I'm sure other reporters are too. And if, if IndyCar could get a third manufacturer, man, I mean, that's just it, – it's it's hard to put into words how big that would be. I mean, you know, yes, it would be a huge amount of um, – bo- it would be a huge bo- boost on the track and, and for, for the teams, but even off the track and the marketing, the advertising – the signal it would send to sponsors, it's hard to put into words how big it would be. So I'm sure that's, that's you know, we talked before about, you know, is the video game, that was probably like their number eight initiative. Like this is probably number one, two, or three. Yeah, Adam, you know, piggybacking off that and, and what's most important to sponsors and, you know, car companies and OEMs is eyes on product. And we're seeing a significant raise in eyes on product, at least in terms of the TV ratings this year, significantly up across the board. What does it mean? And, and you being part of Sports Business Journal, and this is sports business, is, you know, what does it mean for a fledgling series like IndyCar to see this uptick? And particularly if it can be sustained, what kind of doors does the does this open, and you know, in terms of long term outlook and and the growth of this series that you know at least for this year is it seems to be skyrocketing. What does it mean, and what in your mind would you attribute uh, the 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 quick growth to? Look, I think IndyCar has some things to build on, and it's you know obviously they've got some 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 good results here. Like when you look at the Indy Five Hundred, um, you know, Dave had. Uh, the viewership be the best that it had since 2016. You know, that was obviously great. Um, so they, they've had some good things to point to this year. I think, you know, there's still there's still uh, room to grow for IndyCar. Um, you know, there's still, I think, a, a need for more star power. And I think, you know, as IndyCar looks to diversify, um, you know, things like that, it, it can only help out. So I think IndyCar's in a, a decent place right now. You know, n- a lot of a lot of not just racing series but sports overall are facing you know ratings challenges i mean it's just the way it is so i think indycar's ratings like for them to have some positive stories this year that's certainly solid but it, it's still a, not the biggest base so there's still a lot of room to grow and um i think it, it, it can be good and bad news like the good the bad news is that you know it's still not the biggest sport in the world but the good news is that there are some good numbers to look at this year. Things are moving in the right direction. And, you know, again, we've got things like them developing new video games. We've got things like them trying to diversify the sport and bring in new teams and, you know, um, new types of drivers, things like that. We've got them working on the docuseries. So I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about, hey, this can continue to grow. 
um, you know, there's there's still a need to get higher. I mean, I don't think IndyCar is just lighting the world on fire with ratings. Like, I, nobody is, right? I mean, it's, it, nobody's really lighting the world on fire, absolutely, this, outside of maybe the NFL. The NFL, they are a beast of their own. They're unbelievable. It's outrageous the numbers they get. We could talk about that for 30 minutes while that happens. But outside of everyone else, like the NBA, you know, the NBA has a lot of work to do. If you look at their ratings this year, in the NBA Finals, it's been some bad stories. Like, they're down like 30%, 35% versus – and they're one of the best sports in the world. I mean, the NBA is amazing. So, it's not to try and, like, downplay IndyCar or make things seem like they're bad. I think IndyCar's got a good story going on. Um, it's got to continue to try and grow. It's got to continue to try and, and build on, you know, driver star power. Things like we said with bringing in a third manufacturer – that third manufacturer has millions, whoever it is, whatever car company it is, it's going to be a car company that'd be big enough that has millions of consumers to advertise to. Newly advertising to millions of consumers about IndyCar. So all these things can help add up to really being meaningful. And I think it's been a good season, you know, to be able to point to the Indy 500 having the best viewership since 2016. Those are, those are meaningful things to be able to point to. So um, why that really exactly happened, I think it was just little things here and there. You know, it wasn't one reason this year. I think the Indy 500, I think, you know, obviously there was a curiosity factor about having 135,000 fans there, all these different things. Um, So there's a number of different reasons why it's been a pretty solid season. But I think, candidly, IndyCar also has to keep going, has to keep working, has a lot of room to to grow. And, um, you know, if they stop right now, it's not good enough. Adam Stern of Sports Business Journal. As always, Adam, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate you. As always, really, really good stuff from Adam. Not that that's surprising. And, you know, he, he talked about the NASCAR OEMs, Ford and, and Toyota, who aren't in IndyCar. And as we've heard on this show from IndyCar Deep Throat, our insider source in the past, telling us Mercedes and Toyota are are the two names. And interesting enough that Adam brought up Toyota. I think there's some commonality there. Ford, maybe less so, but I I still see that as a possibility. But we have not heard Mercedes, Ford, or Toyota really mentioned in this process, have we? No, and I always get the sense that Adam knows more than what he talks about when we have him on. (laughs) Of course. I think he's a master at... I can't talk about that yet, but I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to dance around it. And not saying that he knows those two OEMs, but, you know, from the information we're getting, Toyota's one of them, Mercedes potentially uh, the other one. So the fact that we're not hearing discussion to your point that they had been talking to those two and they're no longer talking to them makes me think they're still talking to them, right? We're at a point where we're reading between the lines. We're reading what's not being said. That's where we're at here with the OEM search. And, and you're only going to hear the names after it's fallen through, right? Yeah. So I, yeah. Either it's that, announced or it goes away. You know, kind of like Porsche, right? We didn't yeah. know how close they were with Porsche. Sounded pretty close, but we didn't know anything until after the fact. Yeah. So the fact that we haven't heard these names really publicly you know, in any written article format or, or elsewhere tells me that there's something there with those. So that was fascinating. And, and again, IndyCar, the TV ratings are up, but like he said, there's still a lot of room to grow. And I think that will be the key, especially with how negotiations play out, assuming with NBC on the next TV deal, 
getting more network races to offset having probably what two to three races on peacock yeah i think that's an inevitability at this point to be honest mm-hmm. um you know it's helped by the ratings which i think you know we've talked about it before caleb where indycar can maybe say to nbc hey look, we're getting better ratings on NBCSN than some of these shows you're putting on USA at the same time slot. So why don't you just put us on USA? So I think the ratings boost helps most definitely across the board. And, you know, if it can if it can lead to grabbing a couple big sponsors for next year, then that's tremendous. You know, there's always room to grow. But I think that we're going to see the dividends, I think, fairly quickly on this season's rise. And, we, you know, you hope over the final six races of the season we, we continue to see it. But it's better than going backwards, and there's plenty of sports out there that are spinning their wheels or have dropped since the pandemic. IndyCar is bucking that trend, one of the few that they're seeing significant, more significantly more eyes on product in 2021. Really, motorsports as a whole, I think, is just... Tremendous. It, it feels like a renaissance, from, <laughs> if you will. From where we sat, like, let's say three years ago... Where, okay, NASCAR's heyday was over, Formula One, you know, no, nobody really cares in the United States, to IndyCar was just, you know, plugging along and it was just there, but it was never going to, you know, find its way back to the days of old. You look at NASCAR, which their their ratings aren't soaring, but they're steady to growing and they're mixing in the diversification of their schedule, I think, is going to pay dividends in growing that interest. F1, we know, is just you know soaring off the charts in the United States right now, and, and IndyCar is raising as well. You know what? Is it you know close to thirty percent in twenty twenty one? So compared to where we were in twenty eighteen, let's say to twenty twenty one, yeah, Renaissance is the word, Caleb. Spot on. It's it, it, I don't know. It just it feels like a new era of motorsports, which is good because you're getting to the point before where you thought eh, motorsports is just eventually going to go away. Like the interest isn't just there outside of diehard fans like us well and and particularly with the the trend for car companies and going electric and going alternative fuels is what's the future for these auto racing series that use internal combustion engines and we've even debated it you know caleb going back and forth on you know when do you have to look to electric as you know at least an option for the future but i think all three primary series can say hey look you know we're 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 growing based on you know the base based on on what we are now and and i think that's encouraging so uh encouraging signs too and then i brought up this to you we talked about that that whatever it's going to be an indycar docuseries or whatever and we just i worry that they think we just have to put something out there right and and we have to get something out there and it'll be indycar 36 2.0 and it's just not riveting whatsoever to the casual fan and you miss your chance. And and the reason why I brought up to Adam that the crew question is because I think NASCAR is in a in a situation where they can try multiple projects, as Adam said. You know that docu series potentially coming to USA. I don't think IndyCar is in that position. So if they swing for the fences and completely miss, I mean, does it derail the entire near future of trying to get anything on stream? So I told you, Caleb, I don't think the IndyCar season to the casual fan is interesting enough to follow in a docuseries like Drive to Survive, I feel it has to be on the month of May. Strictly the month of May. It's an 8 to 10 episode series on wherever and it starts at the beginning of the month. You cover the Grand Prix and you jump into practice and qualifying in the race and the aftermath. And this year, you it could be everything from Top Gun to Peretta to obviously Elio's fourth. Like it, It's just the, the drama of May rivals anything 
in Formula One, in my opinion. And that's where I think you build your docuseries around your premier event, the premier month of your sport, and then that is your docuseries, at least for the first couple years. Well, okay. So this year in May, and I watched this because, I don't know, it came across social media and is interesting. They're a, a couple that has a YouTube channel who actually had access for the month of May. They follow around Meyer Shank. It was really well done. They they got access uh, and toured like Elio's bus and, you know, carb day, practice, you know, practice days, I think. They were there for essentially race weekend. Right. And then there for the Indy 500, and they got, you know, VIP, everything, and they just documented it on their YouTube channel, and it was fascinating. And I think this couple had, like, traveled around the world, and now they're doing, like, the van thing. And these are not IndyCar fans, so they're introducing IndyCar to, I think they have well over a million subscribers on their channel. Wow. But they're introducing IndyCar to an audience that does not know IndyCar unless, you know, you're from Indy, essentially. Like, you, this is not part of their audience. So they had a, a couple of videos they released, and again, they had to release it after the 500, you know, for obvious reasons. But really, really fascinating stuff from people who didn't know racing, really, and they knew their stuff when they got there talking about stuff that I think they kind of picked up on things and had people kind of teach them things and they became fans. I mean, it, how crazy would it be to be at your first ever Indy 500, let alone Indy car race and you're in the pits. Yeah. Elio right? Castroneves wins the Indy 500. Yeah. It doesn't get any better than that. You know, and, and if you went with that format, you know, some fans will gripe, look, we know what, you know, that gives us nothing because we, we watch the 500 to watch the month of May. But Drive to Survive is based off the season before. So if you're yeah. a diehard Formula One fan, you know everything. Anyway, it's for the casual fan, right? It's for the person um, that maybe doesn't exactly know the ins and outs, every single idiosyncrasies of your sport. Um, it's built on growing your fan base, not appeasing the existing fan base, and which is exactly what Drive to Survive did. So if you take the month of May in 2021, for example, and it's an eight-episode series, and you're taking them through the trials and tribulations of Peretta Autosport and Top Gun Racing and Meyer Shank and just the drama that is Indy, particularly as with every successive year, we seem to grow that field a little bit more. 36, you know, 35, 36 to 36, 37, that drama of making the race and then the drama of the race. I think that would be a phenomenal, um, really, basis for a series. I just don't think you can go in and say, hey, we're going to capture millions of viewers with an episode on Mid Ohio weekend. As much as you and I love Mid Ohio, that's not Monaco, it's not Spa. It's not the glitz and glamour that is Formula One and Drive to Survive. Nor are they going to Monaco to interview drivers or they're going and traveling to Bahrain and stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, Adam made that point where it's global glitz and glamour of Formula One. And that's a big reason, you know, a lot of people tune in. So I feel like you have to build your docuseries around your premiere event and hopefully something like that, you know, comes to fruition and is filmed, you know, May of 2022. Yeah, and it's it's a start and and again like you said, if you capture the drama, that's how you get the casual fan. You don't have to capture us. We're right. already invested. And yeah. so 
you want to reach a new audience. And I get that everyone wants it to be, you know, something for you, a, a person who's fully invested, but that's not what this is about. And that's okay. Like you, you need to know that that's okay. And that's how IndyCar is going to get new fans. And I wanted to look up the name cause I forgot it's Kara and Nate okay. on YouTube. Nice. So, yeah. But really you know, good stuff. Yeah. To your point, you know, Formula One Drive to Survive is not made for the diehard Formula One fan that knows everything, which is pretty much us in IndyCar, right? Yeah. So, the, you know, whatever we're looking at um, is probably going to be, and yeah, we already know that stuff, but it's going to be presented in a different way to entertain us, but also educate, hopefully, millions of others. So hopefully that's, um, you know, under discussion with the Brain Trust at IndyCar, because I don't think they can afford multiple swings and misses with this thing, with whatever they're planning to do. If it's not good and it, it doesn't capture the audience, then it falls flat, then you've missed that opportunity. So it's very, very important that they get this right. Let's not also discount the fact that the IndyCar game itself I mean, that will be marketable to not just people who like IndyCar. And, you know, the details on that, you can follow IndyCar Game on Twitter, IndyCarGame.com. You can sign up uh, with your email to get the latest details when when things come out. Uh, This got a lot of attention, not just from IndyCar drivers. Fernando Alonso tweeted about it as well. Uh, That's a huge reach, obviously. So that says a lot about what this means and... With the game, I mean, I am not a gamer. You you like to play video games. I will probably either buy this game or at least want to play it just to see what it's like. I mean, right. I, I played the 2005 uh, Codemasters IndyCar Series game back in the day. Uh, hey, one man, of my buddies had it. We'd play in college. All I'm telling you, hey, between college football coming back and an IndyCar uh, yeah. game, you're going to have to get a gamer game system. True. Right? True. Nick Yeoman tweeted that like exact same thing today <laughs> about how we have a college football game back, IndyCar game coming back. I mean, what what a day for what a day for motorsports too. Just a lot of motorsports news. Um, but with the game, I thought Marshall Pro had a great question. Uh, so with an annual clamoring to be on the cover of various NBA and NFL video games, which IndyCar driver should grace the cover of the first IndyCar game in 2023? That's tough. My immediate thing was put Roger Penske on the front, but probably <laughs> a 80-year-old guy, 85-year-old guy probably isn't going to sell a lot of things. But um, I think it's what I would like to see is a, is a couple different drivers, and it depends on the format. I mean, what? what and this is a question to our listeners: is what's the what do you most want to see out of this game? Is it focus on current drivers? Do you want to see? historical tracks you want to see historical drivers do you want to have like a uh road to indy built in where you start yeah, with pro and you go up that was something i i almost asked adam like you know do we have any details on the elements like will the road to indy be included or just indy lights or is it just indy car yeah can you unlock like you said historic drivers tracks, tracks cars, cars all that stuff mm-hmm. so it, it depends on what kind of game it is i think if it's a game where you can unlock those historical um you know drivers it could be one thing you could have mario on there with you know uh, you know mario and scott dixon and 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 colton herda for all that matter i, I don't know is, is it just an indy car i thought it was pretty sweet on the front just the release today with with uh with scott dixon's car i was fine with that kind of thing so <laughs> Um. Yeah. Who is your face on the front? Because even NASCAR Heat has a face. But if you had to ask, you know, 
I think your answer is is the easiest. Who is the face of IndyCar right now, Caleb? And that's your person. At least if the game came out this year, because next year I got it could change. Who's the face of IndyCar? Is it Joseph Newgarden? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that's no, very, I mean it's it's open it's for debate. Uh, I think the obvious answer is either put the 500 winner or the championship winner from like the the previous season on the cover. Uh, because then that makes them more marketable. I think that's the obvious answer. So the 500 from the year before, so yeah. next year you would have Elio celebrating. I mean, I like it. I think it's easy um, to do that. Or you do like a trio of drivers, you know, Past, including present. both of those plus one other star. Right. Yeah, it all, it all depends on the format, too. And I would love to see, like, DLC, so downloadable content. So if it's successful, it comes out, that it update. You know, maybe you have additional historical drivers that are added and, and tracks and all that stuff. Uh, that'd be cool. And then, you know, one thing we didn't talk to Adam Stern about is timing, because he mentioned 2023, but depending on how long it takes, could be earlier in the year, later in the year. Um, the entity that's that's building this thing, uh, was it Motorsport Games? Yes. Uh has created well they they worked on nascar heat didn't release one this year but in previous iterations it came out in july so smack dab in the middle of the season formula one f1 2021 is set to come out uh actually tomorrow uh worldwide so it's also in july so when we're looking at where this thing is released in the calendar cup comes out in july f1 comes out in july uh, it would be a great way to spend the extended Olympic break here to play the uh, the IndyCar game. But I, I think mid-July is good. You can then build it around the 2021 season. At first, I was saying, you know, March, but then you, you asked, you know, okay, do you have all of last year's, you know, teams and drivers then in it? So I think mid-year is what you're going to expect. Mid-season 2023 is when this thing will, will be released. A couple of silly season notes to get to. First off, uh, Top Gun Racing is back. They will compete in the Big Machine Spike Coolers Grand Prix at IMS on the road course. That's the doubleheader weekend with NASCAR on August 14th. They are set to test again, uh, according to Nathan Brown of the Indy Star, but it will not be at IMS uh, for that test, so unclear where, where that will be. That makes for 27 entries in that race. Now, the, the team that you would think would participate uh, but is not confirmed, and that is the 45 car of Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. Santino Ferrucci is done as far as we know, as far as races that he's set for this season. Maybe he could pick up something later. Marshall Pruitt with an article uh, on racer.com saying that, you know, they're looking at several drivers. Antonio Felix da Casa, who we thought, you know, would be an option. He tested with Ray Hall in the offseason, probably won't be able to participate. Um, He's pretty much out, uh, but throw in Colin Braun on sports cars, throw in Oliver Askew as well. So they have a few options for that car. And again, if they can keep that car on track, which they plan to be at Nashville, they're hopeful. And then the the three races at the end of the season on the West Coast, uh, as of now, skipping IMS and skipping Gateway. I I understand Gateway, just it's an oval. It's more costly if something happens. But... If they can maybe add IMS and get a driver, whether it's keeping Ferrucci in the seat, and I think that all comes down to sponsorship. Ferrucci really doesn't have anything else, so it would come down to high V. Or if there's, you know, one of those other names I mentioned 
to me, it's it's Ferrucci or Askew are probably the leading candidates, I would guess. Yeah, a lot of uh, names being thrown out there, not a lot of interest. We don't even know what this car will look like, this entry um, next year. So depending on where the money comes from, depending on if it's a funded driver that brings cash, is, does Hy-Vee jump in full as a, as a full sponsor? Who knows? But it seems like it, maybe it's a revolving door next year. Maybe it's a full car on the grid, but um, you know, you know, switches drivers. So, but I think the definite thing is is if this car is within striking distance of leadership or leader circle money towards the end of the season, I feel like you're going to see them um, more and more often towards the end of the year because if they can get that, that would definitely help out next year's program. Just a random thought, my Jack could step up. <laughs> yes, very true. Who knows? United Rentals? Yeah, yeah. Throw throw all the in-team yes. sponsor connections out there. Every so, single one of them. A couple of other silly season notes to get to from IndyCar Deep Throat. Um, one of their sources saying uh, they expect a Rossi buyout from his existing contract with Andretti. The lean seems to be toward the McLaren group, which, again, we've been kind of would people Calling listen to us for we have several the news months before the news? Uh, Simon Pagano, unclear on whether he joins Peugeot Sport next year or in 2023. That would be for racing in Le Mans. Or if he stays with Penske, maybe he does a year in IndyCar, then does uh, the Penske LMDH program to race at Le Mans. So also IndyCar Deep Throat saying, uh, according to a source, pretty much ruled out RLL and McLaren for uh, Pagano. Sounding like Pato will be paired with two new drivers for next year. And uh, Connor Daly might be in trouble for funding next year as well. And I think there may have been one more thing. Oh, Tatiana Calderon will be a part-time driver next year, according to sources for Foyt. No no confirmation from the source on this. Apparently, uh, she can bring upwards of 3 to $5 million to the table. That's after she did that test, courtesy of Rocket, who is Bourdais' sponsor at Mid-Ohio uh, after the mid-Ohio race, which her lap times were competitive. I think that's something we'll see that will will come into play. Most important thing will be money, and it sounds like uh, Tatiana has some with her sponsor, Rocket, which also has the relationship with AJ Foy Racing. So put her on the grid, replace Dalton Kellett. She can't do any worse. And IndyCar Deep Throat saying, I think Bourdais will be back. So Good. that tells me that Rocket wants to invest you know, more than just this one-off because it was a one-year deal they signed in the offseason for Foyt, and that is a very, very good sign. Well, if you enjoyed the interview with Adam, we very much did. We'd love for you to connect with us further. You can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up, and you can subscribe to our email list so you never miss an episode of the show. Also, you can interact with us on social media. Our Twitter handle is IndyCar Podcast. On Facebook, like us. Just search for New Track Record. And you can email us, newtrackrecordpodcast at gmail.com. We'll get to your emails in the following week's episode. Uh, and with that, it is time for the mailbag. And a few things, and it was looking like a super quiet week, was it not? It was. And then, uh, you know, I even asked, could you uh, record on Wednesday, yesterday? And luckily you said no, because you know, all the news dropped today. Big, big news, at least. Yeah. So we have several items to get to, uh, a few things before all the video game stuff, and that's that's an obvious one. But 
looking at where we're at, uh, these are tweets coming in. Regarding Power Dixon, this is courtesy of Scuba Steve 85 Regarding Power Dixon, they went into the corner side by side. Dixon carried more momentum in, which is why he was ahead when contact was made, but neither was being more aggressive than the other. And then follows a total racing incident, and both basically agreed on that in their interviews. Dixon said he was trying to get around Power due to his strategy, and Power basically agreed, saying he should have known Dixon would want to get by him quickly as he was on the Reds. Yeah, racing deal, I don't think anyone thought of it as anything more than that, right? No, it wasn't malicious either way. It, it happened. It was just a, you know interesting sequence, for sure. Uh, responses on who was your pick to win the 2021 IndyCar title? And let's see here. Jamin T14, Pelo stumbles to the mid-pack a few races, and Joseph wins at least two more before the year is over. Hashtag probably wrong. Uh <laughs> Indy Nathan, without telling you who I voted uh, voted for, it's a, a gif of uh, Mr. Bean eating chicken wings. So, oh, hey. I mean, that's Can't Polo. go wrong. And, and the poll results, by the way. Polo, 55% of the vote. I was surprised at this. Uh, Pato Award, 12%. Dixon, 18%. Newgarden at 15%. I personally, I think we both are on board with Newgarden. I right? voted Newgarden, so yeah. I was kind of surprised that he didn't get this award. We're skeptical of the newbies up there, that's for sure. But I think also very impressed with how Joseph Newgarden has raced you know, the last three, four events. And in spite of the just horrible luck yeah. that he's had, I mean, he's still in the picture, I believe 69 points back i mean wouldn't it be fitting too with you know the first half of the of the season everybody talking about just what's wrong with team penske and then at the end of the season a team penske driver ends up winning the championship (laughs) yeah right (laughs) i mean it's possible and i mean in my opinion right now i'm not going to say it's probable but i think it's a i think it's a better than a 50 percent chance right now in my opinion i would agree Uh, to me i think newgarden's the favorite because look he's He's won a race, but he's also had bad luck where he should have won, you know, probably two or three already. Right. And, you know, Pelot hasn't really run into much bad luck yet. I mean, all these guys are going to have an off race. I feel like Newgarden's already gotten his out of the way. You know, the season opener, the the issue at Road America, uh, Detroit, where, you know, he at least should have finished, you know, what, second? Yeah. Um, So, you know, I, I think the momentum will change. And if he wins Nashville, I I think people will flip their picks. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree. Uh, These replies on the IndyCar game announce. uh, Jamin T14 says, yes, I enjoy the F1 games okay, but I'll actually take back that Xbox from the kids. Hashtag (laughs) I paid for it. There you go. Scuba Steve 85. Finally, I know the car and some tasks have been in other games, but I want a whole season. Maybe do like the recent F1 games and build Indy Lights in as well. Yeah, I think that's one of the questions that we're going to have moving forward, and eventually we'll find out you know, what this game is, is really going to be like. R. Cole says, it's about time the Cole household gets a video game console, tagging uh, Jessica Brin in that. So <laughs> people are interested. Very interesting. You know, the interesting thing is, too, is with this coming out in 2023, you know, right now I have a PlayStation 4, but I know that at some point I'm going to have to get a PlayStation 5 yep. because less and less games are going to be coming out for the PlayStation 4. So don't go out and buy that console quite yet because you may need a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series X uh, to play this game. So stay tuned. 
Um, it could still be you know releasing on PlayStation Four and Xbox One and stuff like that. But uh, we're in that part of the Xbox console generational uh, situation where you're switching generations here to the next generation of gaming, but what you're is not the quite there yet. Xbox. So I know they had. Xbox, Xbox 360, 360 Xbox, Revolution. Xbox One is the okay. PlayStation 4 equivalent, basically. And then you have a PS5 and the Xbox Series X. Oh, okay. Are the two that are just starting to emerge almost a year old now. Or, you know, I think it's, I think they were both released late 2020. So it'll be a couple years. But what I'm saying is just keep an eye out. Don't go buy a console now and preparing for. For the IndyCar game in 2023, because you may have to upgrade. All right, you posted a poll, and we have final results. Uh, how do you? You asked, how do you feel about the return of IndyCar racing to the mainstream video game arena? Seventy-two percent said big time, and I'll be buying. Twelve percent don't really care. Eleven percent huge, but won't be buying. Five percent will Milwaukee be on it? That's how I voted. <laughs> you would. But, <laughs> uh, the responses on this. Our Cole says. It will be like the Oval Tracks issue with attendance. Everyone wants it, but the sales will be disappointing. Yeah, I, I mean, hope not. But uh, but it's a great uh, great, great comparison. Great I th- point. I yeah, I I, w- I would agree. Uh, Poet Shevchenko says pre-ordering if possible. Big big big. NK Harden. I don't know if it's a hu- uh, if it's huge, but it's a good thing for sure. I won't buy it though because I think video games are a waste of time. Just my opinion. <laughs> uh, Chad two hundred uh, responded with the the Simpsons gif of. Uh, Shut up and take my money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I, is is that Simpsons or is that no? That's no, that was that's Futurama. I think Futurama. Yeah. Right. Um, that's my that I I really have a question. Like, where is the is the uh, need for it enough to make money? And I think a good thing is too is it, the story was posted on IGN today, which is the foremost basically uh, video game. You know, website out there, or at least one of the biggest ones. Eight, I think, eight million followers on Twitter. So it's it's big, big enough news to make IGN, and they don't write a story on every upcoming video game. So that's encouraging. I think us diehards, of course, that game will buy it, uh, but it will it have the um, the the allure across the world to make it financially viable, and I hope so for sure because. It's it's not uh, it's it's a lot of money that that motorsports game is going to be putting up front front for this the the frostbite engine that it's going to use I think he said frostbite engine is top of the line engine I mean this is what Madden is played on uh, this is what um, Fortnite is played on so this is going to be a high quality what they call triple A video game it's not going to be something that that's going to be thrown out of there for twenty dollars so. Uh, that's going to be a lot of investment financially, a lot of investment in time. That's why it's taking so long. So don't scoff at the 2023, because hopefully that pays off with the gameplay and and the look and and all that. So uh, I I hope it 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 has the right people behind it. That's for sure. Can't wait. I just hope it brings in the masses. Dumb question. What is an engine? I'm not an well engine? versed in that. Yeah. Basically, what's building your game? What you're coding? All that you know different. As video games evolve, your engines get more powerful, but they also have limits. So once you get a new console, yeah, there's a different engine. So the Frostbite engine is just one, something that coders and video game designers use to build the game. It's basically the system that they're building the game in. 
if that makes sense. So in terms of visuals, in terms so of... So it's kind of like the graphics package, if you will. It, yeah, it's very much like the... It's basically like a car chassis, okay? You're given a car chassis, and you can put whatever you want in that car chassis, but you're limited by the chassis, right? Whatever it can hold, similar to an engine, in terms of how much memory, how much you know, computing power, all that stuff, how much it has, right? So we're trying to put this in auto auto racing or you know motor racing terms it's basically the chassis of a video game and you build your video game around it so it's basically a powerful engine that you can use to build video games a couple other tweets to get to before we move on to news and notes uh poet shevchenko this is on uh you know, follow the IndyCar game at IndyCar game on Twitter for updates. Uh, says already done. Hey sponsors, when your logo is on the car, it won't just be on the TV for a few hours. So it'll be in a video game forever. That yeah, is an right. Excellent point. It's a great point, and that's you know also something that IndyCar and these teams can use to sell sponsorships. Is hey, exactly what what they what he said is not just in on the racetrack, but also. In the video game. And you look at Formula One, watch the trailer of the F1 2021 game, and every car, is from Red Bull to, to you know, Mercedes, everything, all are all real sponsors. And that's just added value right there. And then Jeremy from HBG, hope there's a casual mode for the non-hardcore fans. <laughs> that just want to, you know, drive around yeah. at a leisurely pace around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yeah, you know, or, uh, a track day. Or NOLA. You know, maybe to take no. a drive on NOLA. No. No? You don't even want NOLA in the game? No. Okay. Milwaukee, yes. Cleveland, yes. What is the one uh, non... Or what, what is the one track that's not on the current schedule that you say is a must that should be in the game for, at launch? Um, I mean... Milwaukee. Oh, you would say Milwaukee. <laughs> Milwaukee, uh, oh, Michigan, Cleveland. You would, you would. <laughs> oh, what would you say? Um, I don't know. Uh, I almost want Boston. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're you're giving me crap, but you say Boston. Uh, uh, yeah, no. Um, that's a good question. I feel like I would go with. Hmm. Qingdao, China. <laughs> You know, it would be like completely off. I would love uh, like Ontario. Yeah. Because yeah. I've I've heard so much about, you know, it was basically an indie IMS replica in California. And uh, it's for some reasons just fascinating to me because it is, there is no other track that has the configuration that the Indianapolis Motor Speedway does. I mean, it's not a really an oval. It's a rectangle, basically. And nobody has replicated it. Uh, we see all these copycat, you know, cookie cutter mile and a half, but nobody's done indie except Ontario did it. And then actually, it went away. I, I'm going to change my answer Iowa or Pocono. You know, I was thinking Pocono too, but I, yeah, I think Iowa would be good. Um, yeah, hopefully, you know, maybe these are tracks that are unlocked or that are downloadable content. So I know that the F1 race is launching without Jeddah, the Saudi Arabian track. And a couple others, but it's going to be downloadable later on in launch, whether you have to pay for it or not. But I think that would be cool if, okay, we the 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 game opens with X amount of tracks, but every so often we're going to add a couple, two to three. 
All right, switching to some other news and notes and new uh, upgrade kits sold out for any Pro 2000 and USF 2000 as they uh, announced the you know new chassis. It'll include the Halo for both series. Uh, there are images everywhere on that. Car looks good. I mean, it essentially is the same looking car. They have upgrades, uh, but the Halo included on that. Halo's on Indy Lights this year. Right, but it's not on the other two series, correct? Right, yeah. So good to see the Halos that'll make an appearance, and uh, it's really cool that the 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 cars get an update. I think it looks pretty nice, actually. Um, Music City GP they've added SRX for the weekend. Also, Adam Stern with a tweet a few days ago that organizers are expecting a sellout crowd of sixty thousand on race day. Uh, that's uh, per Jason Rittenberry, who we actually had on the podcast yeah. uh, a while back. Uh, organizers are capping the number at 60K for this year so things don't get overcrowded. And I think that's that's key for, you know, just traffic flow and, you know, first year of an event, you want to see how things go. And I looked, I looked on their site. I mean, there are still tickets available. It's not sold out yet. So if you want to go, there are still opportunities for seats, but I mean... A lot of the sections are either sold out as far as the the stands go, or you know probably down to a, f- a few hundred or less tickets. So I mean I think it will sell sell out when all is said and done, um, but that's a positive sign there. Interesting uh, article on Racer.com on Ernie Francis Jr. and this from Marshall Pruitt, and I think the the key quotes here. Now, Ernie Francis Jr., if you don't know his name, he's competing in SRX. He's a seven-time, yes, seven-time Trans Am champion. Wowzers. He's, what, 23 years old? Which is amazing, which means yeah. he's winning championships at 16, 17 years yeah. old. So he's done, I think, one Xfinity Series race in the past, back in 2017, but he's done Trans Am, and he's also competing in the SCCA Pro Racing's Formula Regional America's F3 Series and F4 uh, so that's more open wheel. So he's got a road course background, but he's competing in SRX, second in the championship. Probably not going to beat Tony Stewart unless something crazy happens. But as far as Ernie Francis Jr. in IndyCar, uh, here's what he had to say in the article. I definitely would. It's never been something that was on my radar before. Growing up, we didn't have the funding to go and put me into the road to Indy or an open wheel car in general to go race out there. Never really had those opportunities. I never thought that I would this past year. Uh, racing in FRA. I found that I really like it a lot. The downforce is fine. It's cool to race with it. The cars are just so incredible to drive. I definitely think that I'd love to pursue those opportunities if something opens up there. If the opportunity arises with either Roger Penske or something in a development role or in the road to Indy Ladder, I'll definitely take that opportunity and run with it. Okay, hear me very clearly. IndyCar, do not let this guy get away. <laughs> right? Absolutely not. And Amazing talent. You know, I didn't know who he was until SRX, but it's clear he is a talent. Um, this is He's a key guy, and you would think that um, he, he has the Power and Diversity Scholarship uh, for Perella Motorsports Holdings uh, for their series. So that, that that's, you know, Formula Regional Americas and F4. You would think IndyCar would shift that and, and work on that and put him in whether it's in, I think Indy Lights maybe to start. I mean, but this guy needs an opportunity. Yeah, he absolutely does, and he's one of those guys that, like you mentioned, Caleb, you don't want to let get away and what could have been. So, hopefully, this opportunity, he he's interested. Let's see if somebody can give him a shot. Yeah, I I, I think 
that is is key because you do not get chances like this and unfortunately in the past it's usually worked against IndyCar in these situations and now you have an opportunity uh, to do so and I, I forgot to mention a tweet and it's from our Ukrainian listener Autosport Lab um, picked to win the championship and again this is a, a translate so it's probably not very good IndyCar is a championship with 24 riders and Scott Dixon becomes the champion so <laughs> their pick Scott Dixon that's fair yeah um but yeah, Ernie Francis Jr., please, 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 IndyCar, do something, get this guy in, whether it's Indy Lights. I mean, at least just get him a test. Yeah, you get know? him in a seat and see what happens. So I I think he has become a name. And, and speaking of SRX, I mean, Marco Andretti, SRX race winner. How about that? Congratulations, Slinger. Marco. So that was Holding really cool. Holding off T, uh, Tony uh, Stewart for the win. And... You know, I think that series with the TV ratings they've done consistently, you know, in the 1.2, 1.3 million range, basically week after week, that I think that series clearly has some staying power. And then they'll have uh, Chase Elliott racing at Nashville with his dad, Bill Elliott, Saturday night. So that will be uh, the finale of that series. And I think it's exceeded, I think, any expectations anyone has had in year one. I definitely would agree. I haven't really watched much, but uh, I will probably go back and watch some of these races. I thought I had set a season record, but it's apparently only the first race. The format, it's it's tough. I know it's fun, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And it's you know Saturday night short track racing, and and a lot of people are into that. It's just not my sweet spot of things. I think you know, especially in busy weekends with auto racing, it's tough to find room for SRX and the middle of the summer it's tough to in any saturday to find room for for something like that so i'm glad it's getting the ratings it is i just don't know if it'll ever be something that i'm really truly interested in watching consistently yeah i'll i'll check it out i mean i think i want to rewatch just because marco won that race sure i mean and i'll probably watch the finale you know on on the dvr but that's kind of where we're at with this one other note to get to and this came in as we were recording. Not looking good for the future of the Toronto race. A new Toronto eSports entertainment facility expected to be privately financed. It'll be on the exhibition grounds. It's a huge arena, 7,200-seat entertainment facility along Lakeshore Boulevard, which is part of that track. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, not really track. It's city streets. Uh, yeah, not not good. So we'll see if that has an impact again privately financed so it's going to happen expected to be in the range of 500 million dollars i would assume that's canadian dollars um but the the quotes and this is on Sportsnet, um but the quotes are they think they're about 60 to 90 days away from securing political approvals um 30 to 36 month build process so yeah not not good at all potentially another nail in the coffin huh could be, and, you know, maybe that's just the way it's going to be. Maybe. We'll um, see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. All right. You ready for your uh, split era driver of the week, unless we, we missed anything? Yeah, I'm ready. Um, let's go back to the first year of the illustrious IRL, Indy Racing League. A lot of exciting things happened that season, probably. I don't know. I don't want to remember it. 1996. But we're going to go with Randy Tolsma. 
You heard, of, you heard of Randy Tolsma? How could you not? No. He uh, he raced as part of Zune Group Racing back in 1996. Uh, how many races did he start? You asked. Zero. What? He did not qualify for the 1996 Indianapolis 500. He was part of the, again the Zuni Group Racing. Had uh, Lynn St. James, uh, Randy Tolsma, Robbie Buell. Did uh, the let me see the Dural Lube 200? Of course, it was a three race season, but he didn't do the Indianapolis 500. Um, it was Lynn St. James in the 45. Still, you know, maybe Lynn St. James in the talk discussion for that 45 because she raced it in 1996. But we're talking about number 24, Randy Tolsma. He raced the Lola T93 Buick, which is weird. This team had one car. This is weird. One car. Randy Tolsma's 24 was a Buick with Firestone tires. The number 45 was a Ford Cosworth with Goodyear tires. Explain that to me. <laughs> that really doesn't make any sense. It absolutely I w- makes I would zero think that'd sense. that'd be more expensive for the team. Yeah, you would think. But maybe that's the o- why they only lasted, looks like, a year. But yeah, Randy Tolsma uh, did not qualify for the 90, 1996 Indianapolis 500. Born, born in 1966 in Meridian, Idaho. The hotbed of racing that is Meridian, Idaho, uh, had some success in the truck series. 107 races run over seven years, got a couple wins uh, and 46 top tens. His last race was the 2002 Advanced Auto Parts 250 at Martinsville. Also ran 13 Xfinity Series races in his career. No wins, no top tens. Last race was the Sam's Club 200 at Rockingham in 2001. But that is your random split-era driver of the week. Randy Tolsma, all of one race, did not qualify. How many qualifiers were in that 500? Let's check and see. Uh, Go through qualifying time trials. Failed to qualify. He was one of five. He crashed in practice, did not even make a qualifying attempt. That's uh yeah that's that's not going to cut it. But he's still with us. He's uh 55 years old, Randy Tolsma. Um you know, gave it a shot. 1996 was Zuni. I don't know, Zuni Group Racing. But yeah, the the, the bigger story behind Tolsma is, is the team that raced two different engines and two different tires. I just I I don't understand this the strategy there, but good for them. Kind of weird. Yeah. And they were racing in the same race. Uh, of course, Lynn St. James was in the 96 500. Uh, where'd she finish? She finished 13th. That was her best finish. So, not too shabby. All right, 96, you finished 14th. So, that's your driver, Randy Tolsma. Stay tuned next week for more exciting random split era drivers of the week, Caleb. All right. Well, with that, tweets of the week, not a whole lot to get to. And we have this one that I thought was fascinating. It it comes with a video, so it's really about the video. I am SK Chow on Twitter. Uh, The Music City GP is coming soon, and I still haven't seen a simulated preview of the circuit. So here's the next best, best thing. Racing action from the icr2 version that i've been working on the ai gave me a little surprise at the end i'm not going to spoil the surprise but it's very very cool uh check out the video and then the other one 
uh, Marshall Pruitt sent out, you know, a, a tweet on on the cover. You know, who would be on the cover? And few people, you know, had willpower with the double birds. And uh, this from <laughs> Apex ATX saying, I'd buy it. And it's willpower with the double bo- birds with the PS5, like uh, PS, yeah, PS5 game case cover. So that is the... Uh, <laughs> It is pretty fascinating, and and hopefully that's not how the new video game looks. But it makes me f- remember Atari games of old. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> you know, before we go, I have to tell everybody about the dream I had, and and, and you know, I told you about this with Nashville coming up in just a couple weeks. I had a dream. Remember uh, bits and pieces of it, but basically. Nashville race was on tape delay, so apparently it happened on a Saturday, and the race was going to be broadcast on Sunday, and somebody I was near, had gone to the race, was telling me about it, um, said it wasn't very exciting, there was hardly anybody there, and then, of course, immediately, I text you in my dream to let you know this news, and and then I woke up. That was... uh, that was the dream. So IndyCar on the mind, and hopefully the Nashville Grand Prix turns out a little bit better than it sounded like it turned out in my dream. Yeah, I I think it'll be a yeah, lot better. Yeah, I have higher expectations. I think it'll be fine. Judging from that sim video uh, on the tweet, I mean, really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, most definitely. But I started watching it, and I was like, okay, where is this isn't accurate unless they go over bridge. And sure enough, they do go over the bridge. Yeah, and... and Again, the, the you have to watch the whole video because the very end there's a a true surprise. From there the is definitely some action. <laughs> well, that wraps up this week's episode. Thanks to Adam Stern for joining us, talking all things video IndyCar video game, which we didn't even know we'd have to talk about going into this interview. Figured we'd focus on the TV deal, which we talked about. Uh, of course, the search for a third OEM uh, IndyCar in the entertainment arena as well, and. You know, next week, hopefully we have some more interesting news to happen because we still got, what, another three weeks before we're back on track? Yes, which, you know, people moan and groan, but it's also, uh, you know, Cup, I think, has a race this week, and then they're off for three weeks. So it's not just an IndyCar thing. Yeah, and F1, thankfully, back at, at Silverstone. So that Yeah, with a full crowd. My uh, motorsport viewing uh, for the weekend. Who are you taking? You know, I think Hamilton's going to rebound. You got to get go Lewis, right? Home yeah. Grand Prix. Yeah. Bounce back after uh, Verstappen's if, win two straight. If Max or Perez take this weekend, I think the championship is completely over. I, w- I would agree. So, uh, yeah, I'm taking Lewis Hamilton as well. If you're a betting person, go put money on Hamilton. I think he was at plus 185 last I saw. That's decent odds for Lewis Hamilton at his home <laughs> Grand Prix. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week with another edition of New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.